Welcome to To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast. Each week, join Eric Trexler and Rachel Lyon to explore the latest in global cybersecurity news, trending topics, and industry transformation initiatives impacting governments, enterprises, and our way of life. Now, let's get to the point. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of To The Point Podcast. I'm Rachel Lyon. Here, as always, with my co-host, Eric Trexler. Eric, happy morning. Happy, happy. Monday. It's, it's actually <laughs> afternoon now. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. <laughs> so excited. I, I just want to jump into it today because we have a special guest who's never been on the podcast before, surprisingly. Well, that, that category, I mean, we could put most guests in that category. Well, <laughs> Well, I'm excited to welcome today uh, Forcepoint CEO, Manny Ravello. Manny, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Eric. It's, it's an honor being here. I'm surprised it's taken a whole year to get on the show. So <laughs> I was just going to say it's been over a year. I, I blame Rachel, Manny. It had nothing to do with thank me. You. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> I, I blame our director of communications, but I'm not sure we have one anymore. I don't, I don't remember Rachel's latest title either, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. That's right. So brand new year. This is our first, po- no, second podcast of the new year. Very exciting. Right. And, um, you know, Manny has been in the security trenches for quite a while. And I, I feel like we're at a really exciting time in the industry. And I, I would love to get Manny's perspective. You have this, this phrase that you say that I love, and it's, you know, complexity is the enemy of security. Uh, and I, I would love if you could tell our listeners kind of what that means and, and kind of how that looks ahead when we consider the security industry pathway. Well, I mean, it's a, look, it's a great question. And I do think it is the enemy of security at times. And, and let, let me back up a little bit here. Because if you if you really think about it, what we need to do is we need to simplify security. We need to make it much more seamless for an organization, and we need to integrate it in the in the way we communicate and access the network. It just needs to be there. And there's no question that there's a lot of change um, that's going on in the industry. The industry is um, uh, accelerating with the change. If you think about the last two years, right? Not only do we have more bandwidth now than ever before, so therefore there's more data floating around, and that means it gets harder to see what's good versus bad, but we have new forms of connectivity. We have, you know, obviously more types of devices that are connected to the network. We're all working from home or some derivative of that, uh, and there's no slowdown going on as it pertains to all of this. So you, you think about all of that, you think about the workload shifting to the cloud versus being in the data center. And there is a ton, a ton of change. And with that change, that's sort of where hackers love to live. Hackers Mm -hmm. are basically trying to take the open protocols that we have on in the internet uh, and basically look for ways of manipulating that to kind of get an edge and get into the and get into your network and obviously steal uh, your network uh, data. And it's quite fascinating. But and and this is a data point. I think, Rachel, you shared this with me. So I might as well give you kudos for this. Hackers are the third largest economy in the world. I mean, no just kidding? think about that for I didn't know a that. second. Yeah, it's it's fascinating, right? So you put the U.S., you put China, and you put hacking, right? And and that's how much money there is being made here. And this is an industry that with all this change, with negative unemployment, where it becomes impossible and becoming really difficult for organizations to secure themselves. 
And and the data shows that. I mean, um, we look, we spent $150 billion roughly last year trying to secure our infrastructures. Wow. If you poll CISOs and CIOs, almost 70% of them will tell you that they can't keep up with that kind of spend. And on top of all of that, we had 10 times the number of exfiltrations that we've had in previous years. So th- there is a crisis here. There's a business crisis that we're falling behind. And part of that is with all this complexity, with everything that's changing, with the fact that the hackers are making tons of money, can we simplify security? Can we make it much more seamless? Can we make it much more ubiquitous for everybody to operate in that? And that's something that we, you know, as an organization, are definitely focused on. Uh, and that's something that we're going to continue to champion in the industry. And Manny, if, if hackers are the third largest economy in the world, that doesn't even include nation state activity for espionage, sabotage, non-monetary gain, I'm assuming. Um, Maybe I should ask Rachel. It's not completely in there yet. There's some of that on top of that, and there's always the unknown. Um, Right. uh, And this is is an approximate, right? So it's not, obviously, it's difficult to calculate that, but it it is a significant problem, and it's only growing, and it's going to grow, continue to grow in the outer years. Who knows? It might become the second and the first at some point in time, the way it's going. The fact is we all love to be connected. The fact is we all uh, want to protect our data. But the, the reality of it is it's getting harder and harder for organizations to do that because the technology is fairly complex. So if, if complexity is, is the, the enemy of security, we'll say for a second here, why, why do we keep making things more complex in your opinion? Well, it's, it's, it's the history of the way the Internet has evolved. It's the history of the way technology evolves and security comes after. So think about it. People want new forms of communication. They want new forms of connectivity. Uh, And as they approach that, that creates an opportunity for data to be stolen, right? For hackers to attack your network. A new protocol creates that. A new form of computing could create that. Uh, And that, that change is what I'm referring to. So how do we protect that? is we got to take a fresh look at it. Uh, the industry has been um, putting what I, what I refer to sometimes as the conga line of security technology. <laughs> you know, so at first is I got to connect to the internet, so I need a firewall. So you put a firewall. Then all of a sudden it's, well, I got to connect to the internet because I want to browse the web, right? So then you go out buying a secure web gateway, right? And then, oh, bang, I want to access SaaS-based applications, so now I need a CASB. And then, well, how do I protect users uh, from advanced threats? Well, then I need some AT, uh, ATD technology, right? Advanced threat detection technology. Or I may need an RBI. Every one of those things has shown up as a sometimes an appliance or a software stack, and they've been independent. They haven't been seamlessly integrated together. And the reality of it is, if you think about it, you could probably say, well, what is it that I want Eric to do, Right. How do, what, what is Eric allowed to do and what he's not allowed to do? Like as, a, as an organization, we may decide, hey, listen, um, we're not allowed to go to gaming sites, right? That's a pretty simple right. decision for all employees that we may want to make. Well, that could be a simple policy uh, that gets constructed inside your system. And that policy, no matter where you try to connect, whether you're going out through a SWIG or you're going out through a CASB or you're going out through some other connection, that that policy is in force. So what we need to do is go from best of breed and just continuing to 
put more technology in that conga line and begin to take that conga line and make it into a platform that has not only unified policy, right, but also has context that I know what you're doing across the various different channels of connectivity and are able to reinforce that. Uh, and that's really where the industry is moving. So you're seeing more of this push toward platforms versus just best of breed technology. And look, it's it's not for everybody, but for the common person, like we, like the point we just made before, if complexity is the enemy of most organizations and it's, it's the enemy because most people can't, don't have the know-how, right? How to do this stuff then purchasing a platform will not only give you greater security, better efficacy, right? But it'll give you context around what you're doing across all those different data paths and be able to defend uh, yourself much better than if you tried to do it yourself. Yeah, the disappointing thing to me, I, I've been on this platform journey probably uh, well, more than two, more than a decade now, 12, 12 plus years. And it doesn't feel like the industry is making well, I, I know the industry isn't making progress at the same pace as the adversaries. You know, that that third economy or, or third ranked economy, I think you you would say, Rachel, is yes. growing very rapidly, mm-hmm. and and that's the concerning piece. Yeah, it is, and and you know, it's sometimes not in the best interest of of uh, the industry, if you will, to converge. Yeah. Right, because uh, the reality right. is, um, just like the hackers made a lot of money, uh, so do the, so do the uh, venture capitalists, right? Who fund these companies to go solve a piece of the problem. But the the reality of it is, and, and we've been here. Remember home automation, Eric, twenty years ago, how difficult that was to do, right? It was almost impossible to get. I remember it today. To, it's still you know, difficult. Turn on your stereo and. Uh, well, but today it's a lot easier. Today there's technologies out there that you could just buy an appliance, put it at home, subscribe to the web, and download music and play it in every room in your house, right? Without having to pull wires or oh, anything like that. Okay. There's a lot of systems out there. Right. I was thinking home kid and, and the like. I agree with you. In 2005, my wife had trouble using – first world problem here. Let's take this offline maybe. But had trouble using all the remotes we had just in right. one room. Right. I dropped $25,000 or something on a Crestron system for a whole house because – and I get these antiquated tablets, which were like 6000 bucks a piece, Rachel. They're Windows CE devices. They've got a stylus. They reminded me of the old uh, – not the Blackberries, the old HP Palm devices, mm, except yes, they were yes. big and heavy. The batteries lasted 45 mm-hmm. minutes. And today, I got you know a $500 iPad controls everything. So I, I agree with so and, yeah, and well, I'm still you, using you, that platform, Manny. But it's 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 so much cheaper and easier today. It's you're wonderful. you're right there. Yeah. But 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 the, the the beautiful thing about that because I agree with you. I was in a similar situation, and whenever I would get a call from my wife, I would just say, "Go downstairs and power the rack down and bring it back up." Right? And usually that solved the problem. But the problem, the, the challenge with that is, it was still it made it easier when it worked. Right. But as soon as you had to introduce a new anything to that stack, oh, right? oh boy, a new yeah. uh, let's say a, a new I don't know um, VHS or something, right? Uh, at the time, you had to call them to come in and program everything for you. But right? this is yes. the, the similar state with the security. As soon as a new thing gets introduced, oh God, we want to use Workday. Okay, we'll go into the cloud. Well, we got to protect that user data. Right, that personal right. user data. Now I need to inst- now I got to buy a Casby potentially, right, and put a Casby in my stack. That mm-hmm. should be seamless. That should be fairly simple. That should be I got a new 
channel that I'm communicating on, I want to protect that channel. What's the policy I want to apply? And it might be, I don't want any PII information being downloaded or something as simple as that. Click a button and you should be uh, able to now manage all your users, whether in the office, whether in their home, whether they're accessing their corporate provided computer, whether they're bringing their, their personal device, that policy should be implemented to protect that data. And that's what's going on in the real world is we continue to find new ways of being more innovative. This concept of digital transformation we all talk about is really what's driving the industry. And guess what? That means companies have to move with speed. The lines of businesses are going to the CIOs and saying, you can't let that security thing slow me down because if not, you'll miss your number, right? And Wall Street will be all over us. So it's pushing the industry forward and security is an afterthought because it's become hard to okay. implement. So follow up then, what has to happen? And, and I, I picked up on speed, right? But what has to happen in the industry to make that a reality as opposed to this this mess, this tangled web we have today where we're still, instead of just logging onto a website and, and updating the television you bought so it just works, right? Or downloading what, you know, downloading the uh, the remote codes or whatever so it just works in your house. What has to happen in the industry in order for us to to adopt to this the velocity and the and the change that's required to simplify things, or else well, we just keep getting more and more complex? Yeah, most most not various vendors are are, are self included are looking at the shift to much more of a platform, right? And we we have to have point technologies, and customers get to choose whether they want a point technology or they want a platform. And look, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, there are some people that can buy the point technologies, can integrate those point technologies uh, because they have either the means to do that, meaning the talent, right? And they're willing to pay for that talent inside their organization. Uh, it's the, no different than your example. If you want a better home automation system, that unit that you have in your house is a better unit. It just requires more expertise, right? To configure and yeah. to set up than to buy a simple thing uh, off of the web. However, at the end of the day, I'm not sure your music sounds any bit different. I'm sure Led Zeppelin sounds the same on your system as on uh, uh, Rachel's system that she got off of the internet, right? Um, so the, the reality of it is you're seeing the industry move to the plat platforms. And this concept of a platform uh, could definitely, has, in my mind, has four key elements. The first thing, it's got to be simple to deploy, right? There's no question about that. It's got to have worldwide scale. It's got to uh, scale out, no different than you know, the web does today, right? It just scales out, high availability, uh, and you can protect your, your services anywhere in the world. So think about a, a ubiquitous platform that just scales out, no different than a cloud provider, scales out uh, their infrastructure. The second thing is you're going to be accessing, you want unified policy, uh, and I'm talking about security policy, like a uh, simple example is the, uh, you, you're not allowed to go to gaming sites. I don't want anybody in this company going to gaming sites or pornography sites or whatever it may be, right? There are, there's going to be policies that you have as a business, but you guess what? You're going to communicate over lots of different channels when you communicate out. You're going to maybe go to the web, right? Meaning browse the web and do certain things on the web. Uh, and, or you may go through uh, um, the cloud because you're doing SaaS-based applications. 
You have to protect your email channels. There's a lot of different channels that we every single day communicate to. And you have to be able to take all those channels and create a set of policies across all those channels, period. One set of policies across all those channels of what you allow people to do and what you don't allow people to do. Like, for example, maybe we do allow you to go to a gaming site, but we want to we want to flag it. We want to basically let you know that this is not something that the corporate sanctions, but what we'll do is put a remote browser in front of you, right? A remote browser isolation. So you cannot corrupt that endpoint potentially, right? And create a virus on it. So second thing you have to do is uh, a way of distributing uh, policy across all the data channels. The third thing is what's your data protection policy? I mean, uh, you should remember if, if there was nothing of value, there probably wouldn't be any hackers, right? They're trying right. to do something to steal your information, right? Or, or to block you from doing business because there's value in blocking you from doing business. For example, ransomware as, an, as, as a bad example, as a good example. So what is my data protection policy, right? What, what am I going to allow? Where am I going to allow my data to go or not go? Like, for example, I may allow a sensitive file to go to a USB drive. Uh, my personal USB drive, as an example, but I want that file to be encrypted. And only that file, when it's back on that computer that was a, a corporate-provided computer, can it come off that USB drive. So if I take it home, I can't put it on a random computer, right? Yeah. So what is my data protection policy? Would I allow data to go or not go? And then the fourth element is this concept of um, what we like to call risk-adaptive protection. If I understand the context of what you're trying to do, like, what if I go to Workday and I download the personal uh, information for all the employees? And I, then I open up a file on my computer and I call it Manny's Greatest Hits, right? And I put that file in there. And then I go to Salesforce and I start downloading uh, customer records and I put them in there. And, you know, I name these files. I could, I could call one Led Zeppelin, the other one Aerosmith or whatever I want to name these files inside that. My device should understand that this is not normal behavior, right? And begin to apply some level of context around that. What if then I try to open up a connection to Box, right? Or, and try to drop that file in Box. What should happen? Should I be blocked or nothing? So by understanding a user, right? Having control over all those data paths and having data policy sit on top of that, I can begin to restrict and enforce, right? What is permissible and what is not permissible. So this concept of, of risk adaptive, having context to uh, uh, around a distributed uh, and providing distributed visibility is something that uh, we think is, is um, and if that was all provided for you so that you didn't even know this was happening, that's what seamlessly uh, has to happen, yeah. right? So that's where you're seeing this concept, taking all these technologies, all these three, four letter acronyms, blending them together, creating a simple user uh, interface, that you could deploy the technology to begin to create a more secure and a simplified environment for your users. Most IT industries have a they they have a um, a couple of leaders, one or two. You know, in the database world is probably Oracle and Microsoft. In the compute, it's probably uh, well, I guess probably go with Dell and HP. Maybe Lenovo as a third. Mobile OSs, you've got Android and you've got you've got uh, iOS. Do you think we'll ever get down to one or two leaders in the in the security space as we as we do converge on that platform type approach, or is it just too 
decentralized and there's too much money. I mean, I think right now we've got over four, four or 5,000 cybersecurity companies out there mm-hmm. trying to make a living. Yeah. Well, I mean, for every one of these technologies that we could refer to, there's probably a dozen companies, if not more, that you know are competing and probably a couple right. of dozen that didn't make it, right? Because they, they just never captured any market share. I, I think organizations are going from buying best of breed to buying best of platform. And maybe someday they'll get their unified platform, right? So what does that mean? That, that, that means that if I'm going to be protecting my cloud traffic, or my web traffic or something, maybe I, I buy a platform that's really good at doing that versus five technologies, right? That is integrated. Right. So you're, you're starting okay. to see them consolidate. The, the reality is, look, most enterprises have 50 to 100 vendors in there doing some form of security for them. Yeah. It becomes, it's just a full-time mission to stay current with their roadmaps, right? What What's going on and how to best apply security policy around that. So it, it is a daunting task. It, it is uh, very, very difficult for most organizations. And you think about it, okay, if you're... If you're one of the, if you're Google or you're Microsoft or, you know, you're one of those organizations, or let's say uh, uh, GE or, you know, uh, Walmart or anything, can you afford to do that on your own? Yeah, you probably can, right? You you have the means, you have the staff. Should you? It's a cost. But if you're the average organization out there with a couple thousand employees, can you sacrifice tens or dozens and dozens of employees to get around all this technology? That's when it becomes difficult, right? So that's where you need a much better integrated solution because all I want to do is I want to listen to good music. I want a secure yeah. environment, right? Yeah. I don't need to become an expert in how to create home automation. I just want to be basically listening to good fidelity, quality music most of the time and feel that my front door is not open, right? That it's harder right. for organizations to come at you because a hacker doesn't want to work too hard. They're going to go you know, where there's least resistance. And that's the that's the reality. So that's why I think they see the industry continue to gravitate there, Eric. But it will take a while because you know these assets are deeply entrenched in our systems and the way we monitor them. And you know it's and and there's risk uh, associated with it when you've got to change them. Yeah, no, that's the uh, <laughs> that's the issue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been working this too long, Rachel. I'm 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 tired of waiting for the industry to to uh, to fix itself and to get where I want it to go. It's get, it's getting much better. I mean, I, I'm I'm we very are. impressed with some of the work like we've been doing as a company ourselves, and we're hearing it from our customers in the way mm-hmm. we're trying to uh, to deliver these solutions. And look, the other point that that we I didn't cover here is that things are getting faster, right? Because we went from a world yes. where well, that's the, the problem. Only way to, well, yeah, yeah, but so are the answers. So if you, if you get to these more, uh, let's say, cloud-enabled, software-driven platforms, the security solutions also come faster, right? Because I don't need to send you an appliance that you put in every one of your corporate offices, right? Or something that goes to every user in their home these days, right, to protect your environment. I could do that by simply uh, providing a software patch, software fix in a cloud sort of environment and do it in a very agile, right, uh, DevOps sort of fashion. So the answers are also coming faster. Um, but what it does require is organizations to take a fresh look at what is their security posture going to be. And you got to understand all the change that your business requires. So at the top is, all right, we're going to digitally transform our business. 
And then, okay, how are we going to do that? Digitally transform our business. That means I'm going to be using some technology, right? I'm, I'm, some companies are like cloud first, right? You hear we're cloud first, or somebody's going to say we're never, never going to use another piece of software inside our environment. Everything's going to be, you know, SaaS, right? Driven. All those things are change inside your organization. All those things bring vulnerabilities. How do you protect them, right? And stop addressing them as a conga line of fixes, right? It's just a, a patchwork of fixes versus and I get a platform that solves all of this for me and gets me ahead of when the when the CEO or the CIO says cloud first, that'll have an answer for them. Right. And I think that's the, the transformation that most companies will be going through in the next decade. So uh Eric, I'm sad to say that probably this is gonna be around for a while. But the reality of it is there's some good answers today that you could start applying. Good. And so, and, and I know for, from an industry perspective, we are making progress. I mean, if I look back a decade or two, it's it's a very different Absolutely. situation. So, Rachel, with that, I know you wanted to talk about security at the center of design thinking. Well, it's, it's something that's always on my mind, right? And, you know, as we look at moving forward, and I'm a big fan of as we take a step back, right, and assess how do we work smarter, right? You know, how are we, we better at security? As we all know, you know, if, if you start at the beginning with that mindset, like when we talked to Noam last week, right, it makes a huge difference down the line versus trying to bolt right. it on later, you know, and and do you see that changing, Manny? I mean, is it is it just because it's too hard to do security at the beginning that that they're not doing it? But it seems like an obvious path forward of, of what could be very successful. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's just hard because I think there's not enough budget, right? Right. <laughs> out there and yeah. there's not enough time out there. So it's difficult for organizations. And what they're trying to do is usually uh, patch, um, patch something or, or, or secure something. And decisions have already been made and users are using it and or they got breached and they're kind of, uh, the board is telling them to, you know, fix something out there. Uh, I, I do believe that we, uh, as, a, as an industry, need to help organizations think about how they re-architect right, their security infrastructure. And I think it starts out with uh, make security an equal to the network connectivity that you're going to be providing for your users for your data, for your applications, right? So if you're going to say, okay, my users are allowed to use all these things, right? And therefore, I'm going to need all this type of new connectivity and all these new protocols and the use of the cloud. And maybe it's a BYOD mentality, right? Uh, once you decide what that looks like, treat security as an equal around that and look at a security architecture that dovetails itself with that networking architecture that you're going to need. And that has not been done. Usually, you know, you, you, what ends up happening is an a decision gets made. It's usually application driven. Then there's a connectivity right. decision that gets made to get those users to that application. And then third security comes up in, on that. Right. It's got to really third, be if ever. Uh, thought about upfront. Yeah, forever. And that's part of why we, you know, we sometimes talk to our customers about um, data, data first. And then we talk about data first sassy, this concept. What we're trying to tell people is, Remember what you, what you are, the hackers are coming after your data, right. your sensitive data. Not only can that create for you a lot of risk, right? But a lot of uh, uh, reputational damage, right? When it gets out there. Mm -hmm. uh, um, think about how you're going to protect that from day one. Right. Not after you gave everybody connectivity to it, right? <laughs> well, one. that's what I'd like to see. I, I'd yeah. like to see, hey, we want to bring this new capability online. Awesome. How do we do it securely? 
That should be the next question. What do we want to do? Oh, we want to bring this online. Great. How do we bring this online securely and have it built in Mm -hmm. from the beginning conceptually? What we saw with COVID, I mean, everybody worked from home. They just tried to get things going. And, And I would argue in many cases, customers still haven't applied security to the new, uh, I'll say more lax connectivity uh, capability because they had mission. They had, to, right. they had to do something. They had to get their workers productive and working. Let's go back and fix that. But as we bring new capabilities online, it should be, how do we do it securely? And, and that was, right. you know, COVID was a great example because the immediate need, right? And, and we, the industry saw it was to get users connected from home. And many right. users came from home, right, via VPNs. That's how they right. were connecting to their, their applications because the security was being provided inside the data center and or they had to get through their own data center apps. Right. Uh, and or if they had to surf the web, they still went through their data center back out. So if you think about that, millions and millions and hundreds of millions of dollars were spent last year or almost two years ago now buying more VPN concentrators, right? Buying more connectivity to get users to connect back to corporate. Now, to, well, hold on. Only to secure the pipes. It did not. It did nothing for securing the end managed devices, the endpoint, or anything else exactly. or the data. But it was all about: Can I get my employees to be productive? They need to. They need to get right. to their applications. They can't. They can't come in the office. They need to get. To, right. And let me be honest: VPNs is like one of the worst technologies <laughs> because <laughs> what you're doing is you're actually stretching your corporate resources to an individual's remote location. You don't even know where. Outside your security boundaries. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, could be, it could be their house. It could be uh, at a Wi-Fi uh, on a Starbucks, right? Where they yeah. could be actually somebody providing a, 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 that, that, uh, that, a Wi-Fi connection, right? And spoofing it. So VPN is a, an extension of your corporate assets where you've spent all this money and you have buildings and you put cameras and you put firewalls and you put everything in there. And all of a sudden you put a hole inside that perimeter, right? And you drag it to everybody's house. And by the way, you dragged it to everybody's home or wherever <laughs> they work from. Uh, and once you're on the network, you're on the network. Yep. Means you could go anywhere on that network quite often. So it's, it's the horrible connectivity. Versus if you look at the concept, and I know Eric, you're pretty familiar with the concept of zero trust, right? Which is yeah. which is the, the difference between implicit versus explicit trust, right? right. Uh, the zero trust model says, I'm allowed to work from remote, but when I'm granted access, I'm only granted access to that one application or those two applications. I don't get access to the network. I may, get, I may need to get onto the corporate network, but I only get access and I am restricted to going nowhere but that one or two applications. It's a very different... Right. Um, view of of security. And I'm not saying that when Rachel's working from home, she's maliciously going to do something. But how do I know that she doesn't have something on her computer that is acting maliciously? And in, on a, in a VPN world, exactly. free access to the whole enterprise, right? Move around laterally until you find somewhere to stick and jump off her computer to something else. In a zero trust world, only two applications will that hacker be able to go to when they connect to the corporate resources because that's all we granted on a zero trust environment. So, you know, these technologies are out there, but they're taking a while. And when change happens, right. like COVID, which is a significant change, when change when COVID happened, 
Nobody said, hey, we need to go zero trust. There was no time to think zero trust. Right. Can I buy another VPN concentrator? And, and, and I know a lot of folks in the industry, and I've checked with them, you know, about, you know uh, what it would be now almost two years ago. Boy, VPN concentrators did very well for a quarter or two. Now nobody wants them again. Right? Well, the, yeah. No, the industry did well. I, I equate the VPN to like a highway with no seatbelts, no airbags, no speed limits. You're just flying naked down the road as fast as possible. And we just gave you a road to do whatever you want where zero trust, they're checking you. Are you wearing a seatbelt? Do you have airbags? Are you obeying the speed limit? Are you really who you are? And, and, right. and that's what we're seeing more of these days. And you could, and you, even in that, in a zero, remember in the VPN world, that's it. You're done. You're, you're connected. You know, anything else has to be augmented on top, right? If you want to provide. Yeah, you get um, on that highway and we, we give you entrance to the highway. You can do whatever you want. And the user experience is even worse because you've got to now hairpin all your traffic back to that corporate location, wherever that VPN gateway is, right? Uh, and you have to have, and that means you're going back to your corporate environment, probably punching back out of that corporate environment to go to the web because you got to go to Salesforce. You got to do something else, right? Uh, to get the security profile. So in, in a zero trust model, you avoid a lot of that. It's much more direct connection. It's, it's secure. You know, the list goes on and on of the benefits, but right. it's going to take time, right? To get there yeah. because there's thousands of VPN concentrators, um, millions of them all over the world, right? And that technology is going to take a while for people to get off and to get into the next evolution that makes it much more secure. Um, and, and zero trust network access is an example of various technologies that are out there. Yeah. Rachel, we beat the hell out of the VPN companies, of which we're one, by the way. Where do we go from here? <laughs> well, can I just comment? I, I read an article this morning, and I'm, I'm just astounded how attackers are so successful using old school tactics. Um, there was, uh, I forget what the group name was, Fin7 or something. They uh, Im- impersonated the health and human services and sent people USBs that they would put in their computer and then it delivered the ransomware. And that just, it just kind of blows my mind that in this day and age, that could still be successful. Oh, I got a USB in the mail. I can't wait to plug it in my computer to see what's on it. Yeah. Uh, and and oh, it's boy. so the successful. The old USP in the parking lot trick. <laughs> Look, a free USB stick. I was going to quote mean, Forrest Gump, but it might be insulting, so I'll hold back. They, look, the, 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 it, some of these attacks are not uh, sophisticated. They're just, I mean, whether it be fish, uh, uh, no, phishing attacks, right? I mean, you get an email, click on a URL, you click on them. Now you're seeing them on your on your on your mobile devices. I mean, you yes. get uh, text, right? Like, yes. I mean, I got one this morning about it was kind of interesting because it was it was about uh, if you do this every morning, you'll lose ten pounds, right? Click on this link, right? And I'm like, okay, okay. Well, maybe I would like to do it every morning, but I'm not going to click on that link. <laughs> I keep getting one from AT and T. Yeah, but I hate AT and T, so it's totally flawed from the outset. Now they're very. They're, there's a lot of look. There's so much data out there that hackers have access to. They by they can socially engineer a connection that's one or two degrees away from the individual. That sounds pretty legit. Right. And then they get people. There's unfortunately there's we're vulnerable. We want to assume that everybody's good, but there are yeah. some bad ones out there. Yeah. yeah. So, Rachel, what did you do after you plugged the USB stick in the camera? <laughs> <laughs> 
She's looking for help, Mandy. Uh, luckily, it was just on my Force Point machine, and Force Point caught it. So you know, <laughs> okay. no, I'm that's- kidding, totally kidding. Uh, but it, but that's the thing. I mean, when when the barrier to entry for attackers though is kind of that easy, it, it's kind of astounding. How do you keep up from a security perspective? And you know, there, then you have these other things coming up online, like the metaverse, right? I, I think there'd be so much information available on people there that we could probably see social engineering attacks really ramp up in the years. Ahead. Uh, yeah. 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 Metaverse is an interesting concept, you know, um, there's, there, there's no question of that, but it's, it, it is, um, it's probably more of a, a little bit of a still, uh, the matrix kind of thinking, right? right? The metaverse. Right. Uh, and, and, yeah. and that's a good example to equate it to the, to the, to the, to the, to the matrix, because if, if you really think about the, the whole principle of, of the metaverse it's, it's how do we create this, um, new world, right? And by the way, we, we are participating in that to some degree today because there's lots of different environments that you go in and you interact either through a, a visual reality, right? Uh, augmented reality. Mm-hmm. Kind of, and you have this concept of a world inside of it, but the, the metaverse is really one step beyond that, uh, in the sense that you're connecting everything together. And and uh, you you might have seen there's some good videos out there on the metaverse, and so now you can find them on the web. There, there's one that I like, which is uh, somebody's flipping through uh, one of their social sites. I can't remember if it's Instagram or whatever, and they actually see a one of their friends uh, posting about. They were going that evening to a concert and you could basically click on that. And when you click on that, you're transported to the concert, right? Through your, through your visual device and you're next to your friend who accepts you next to your friend and you could actually make eye contact and talk to them and do all of that. So this is a virtual reality world and then concert or it's a virtual reality augmentation to a real world, right? Uh, all coming together. Uh, so the 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 concept is almost like the Matrix, if you think about it, right? Where you're transported right. into a world, and in that world, you you have access to everything that you have, including the physical world, and everything is connected. And obviously, there's a lot of intelligence that comes in in that in that world. We're a long way away from that. Uh, there's no question about that. Right. And and when and when we get there, I'm sure there'll be a few security challenges. Because uh, it'll be interesting, but we, we are participating in uh, in it. A lot of I don't. Right. I'm not a gamer, for example. But you know, every teen out there, anybody who has a teen, specifically teen boys, will know, right, that they live in those Xboxes and or those or, or watching those um, 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 glasses that they put on. You know, the Oculus yeah, the or VR whatever, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And they're living in that, and that's all driving us in that direction. But and then. There are worlds also, right? Whether we're in World of Warcraft or, or other virtual reality worlds that people are beginning to participate in. So it's going to be interesting. You're seeing a lot of talk these days, but I think it's still early. It's Almost like Second Life from exactly. back. Uh, That's exactly. Almost two decades ago. Yeah. Second Life in a real, it's Second Life brought to a, a much more real reality, right? Where you may be right. living in worlds of holograms, also, right? Where your augmented reality and like your room could change, right? I mean, that's the concept that we're trying to get to, uh, which will be quite interesting. Um, but we got a long way to go. But who, who would have said 20 early, years ago we'd be where we are today, right? right. Yeah. 
Early, yeah. early in life, I used to contemplate if if I was just crazy, like out of my lo- mind crazy, but I was happy. Would that be a good life or is it better dealing with life, the real life like I have now? I don't think we have the answer to that question. And I can't uh, – I think going back to your matrix analogy, Manny, I'm going to take a blue pill on this one for a little while. I'll just uh, remain ignorant right now or, or uh, I'll sit back. I just think I'd it's fascinating. I could pay – a lot of money to dress my avatar, you know, and to kit myself. Oh, my out kid with does bling. it for games. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. Hundreds of dollars <laughs> of 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 babysitting, dog watching, lawn mowing money. I mean, he'll drop on avatar avatar. Uh, yeah, and themes, and, and sometimes fantastic. they buy a new gun or they buy a new wardrobe or whatever. Something that gives them unlocks something, right? It, right. And, and by the way, it's creative marketing because they're getting kids to pay. Meaning getting parents to pay. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> Most kids don't don't pay. Somehow it's all connected. You can't walk out of a store without walking through a bank of credit cards, right? That are prepaid cards. Yes. You can buy them and give to your kids only so they could buy avatar clothing. That's the, <laughs> the hell of a world. <laughs> hmm. Oh, I love it. Um, and so the last topic I wanted to touch on, and Eric knows knows this is my favorite topic right now, is Web three. I keep reading oh, so boy. much about. Oh, we're going about, there again. Well, because yeah, I'm still really interested in it because there's there's no middle ground from what I'm seeing in the articles. You know, you either lo- you think it's the, the best next thing, or it's overhyped depending on on right. who you talk to. And I, it's rare that you see something that has such such strong opinions one way or the other versus kind of a, a middle of the road approach. And I, I'm always wondering why. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're heading down a web 3.0 world. I think, you know, the 1.0 world was the early world, right? Where right. It, was, it was very simplistic. Um, a content provider put content on, on the web and a user went and usually downloaded read-only content. That's basically what it was. And that was the early creation of the web in the 90s, right? And then over mm-hmm. the, the, the last 20 or so years, you started to see, you saw the web 2.0 develop where more content can be published by many uh, folks. And not only is it uh, read, it's read-write, right? So we yeah. interact with the web and we could read-write, sometimes as simple as liking a, liking a post or, or, or putting a post or, or something of that nature, right? And, and the concept of web 3.0 goes one step further. It's, can I distribute the content? Right. Does the, the, does the content need to be owned by a publisher of the content? Uh, and that, that's an interesting uh, value proposition because the content can then live anywhere. Right. And, and be anywhere. Um, and, and that creates a lot of, a lot of value, but it goes beyond that because it's not just the, the decentralization of all of this content. Uh, there are some basic principles in, in web 3.0 that are kind of also interlinked with the metaverse a little bit. I think one is this concept of the semantic web, which means that not only can the data be everywhere, but the data can be processed by machines, right? And uh, that means you know you you could have machines working for you. And by the way, very intelligent machines with artificial intelligence, right? Which right. could be figuring out everything for you. So you could just speak something and let it go, figure it out, and it comes back with answers for you. We see some examples of that, right? I mean, see, you could talk to Siri, you could talk to Alexa. You know, it's still pretty. Not not as diverse because all that content is not connected, but AI is playing a role in allowing a machine to go talk to other machines and give you back a response, mm-hmm. right? And that could even go uh, further. 
uh, as we move. And then the, the, the third element is graphics, you know, right. this uh, virtual reality, 3D graphics, you know, which could uh, you brought up a great example. Second Life is a good example of that. That is a big part of uh, some of the properties of Web 3.0. And then the last is this concept of ubiquitous access. It, you mm-hmm. can access this anywhere at any time at any place. You know, and you see some of it in the movies, right? People walk into a room and turn the lights on. Well, we could do that today, I guess, with with some of the home automation technology. But you can ask it for content and it could, you know, connect you to somewhere else or figure out an answer for you or some things like that. So the, the concept of can we distribute this content, allow more people to publish the content, allow more people to own that uh, content is an interesting premise. It's just a more scale. That's all there is. It's a larger scale, but I think it goes beyond that. AI, semantic web, uh, 3D, you know, uh, or virtual reality is all going to play a role in this. So, yeah, we we will be able to. Um, it kind of reminds me of, I think it was Star Trek. Remember when he used to go into the holograph or whatever it was? And, you know, and it was, he was in the little world with a stream behind him. Yep, he's out in space, right? This thing is what we're referring to, right? When you talk about... The metaverse right. or Web 3.0, it's how do we get access to that in a much more powerful way? And I know it sounds that it can't be done, but we it can be done, right? And, but you are right. There's okay. some people that think it's the Web 3.0 is going to be a disaster. Um, and it does come with some challenges because it means the, the industry needs to continue to transition as it moves right. forward with that. And uh, some of the you know devices that we have today won't be able to participate, right? So... They're not capable of maybe participating in a Web 3.0 world. But look, this will develop. Who would have thought that the web would have became the Web 2.0, right? And we're probably in a 2.5 world today versus a 3 world because we have some of the things I just referred to available. Or we see smatterings of those things, right, mm-hmm. uh, as we, talk, as, as we uh, begin to do our daily lives. And they do make our lives better, right? right. Some of the stuff does make our life better, which is what drives it forward, exactly. why the change occurs. And then the question mm-hmm. is, can we secure it, right? Can we secure it uh, so that we have all of this freedom that we want, all of this uh, great productivity and uh, capabilities to communicate in a secure way? Right. So the good news in my, from my perspective, uh, data should be similar to like currency and blockchain, right? It, it, it seems like we're able to distribute it securely um, and there's enough redundancy in there that it works. So the data should be protected if it follows that path, the, the the concern I would have, though, just like t- companies like Chain Analysis are able to follow the blockchain and understand current currency transactions, will marketers come online who are now following your data and understanding the data patterns mm. and leveraging that or monetizing that against you? If you're a private company, for instance. And your data is not only not only not no longer stored just inside your data centers, or in your with your CSPs, your cloud service providers. Will marketers be able to market that? Will competitors be able to track that and gain some kind of advantage? I don't know. There, there will yeah. be things that they can do today, but I mean, have you done a search lately and gone like on any website and then gone to a social site and found out how much they're marketing to you? Yes. Like how, how, yes. How they, so the the amount oh, yeah. of data sharing today is in, uh, unbelievably off the charts, right? And uh, right. why I kind of try to stay off the web, if you will, or at least stay off of some of those things as much as possible. But 
Yeah, I don't think that'll change. That that the, unless regulation forces it to change, right? Right. And that's a that's a that's a minefield, a large minefield that uh, has to be explored at some point in time. Ooh. But the the right. good news is because blockchain is a big part of of uh, Web three is that there will be stronger governance around that data, right? And who can yeah. see the data? You can transact the data or, or do anything with the data. But there will be a chain and that will have confirmation of some kind, right? Of what something. Right. If it's a if it's financial transaction, it'll have confirmation of financial transaction or something like that. But uh it could have some marketing data. It'll be certain things that uh hopefully are value add with the appropriate regulation uh to allow us to function uh, while the data is protected in a meaningful way. Yeah, yeah, just I, I've got to take a few minutes to wrap my head around that. I, I could have the next COVID vaccine a piece of that data sitting on my computer at home in a decentralized fashion one day. That's just bizarre to me. Yeah. And, and you have to make sure that it's uh, equally protected. The concepts that we, we began, I guess the podcast on around the users needing access to information, it does distribute that further, right? Mm -hmm. Because now the information's in multiple places and there's machines talking to machines and not just users and, you know, a lot of new things, new technology that makes it much more productive. But the concept of being able to intercept or get in the path of that transaction or those transactions, because it might, might not be one, it might be many, and make sure that that is secure, right? And at least log, maybe you just want to say, okay, this is what happened, but you want to make sure hopefully it's secure on top of that. That, that doesn't change um, where we're going. Uh, so to some degree, you right. could argue, where is security going, right? If, right. if the information is going to be everywhere, users are going to be everywhere. I mean, and the data is already everywhere, right? Uh, is security better served out on the internet than in the ivory towers that we've all built? Right. I think for the time being, it's probably both. You need to have, you know, your on-prem technologies that are appropriate, and begin to really think about where's all my where are all my users and where's all my data and how do I get in front of them in a much more in a more elegant manner, right? Which means maybe in the cloud uh, around that, and then maybe over time, as we get to these principles of the metaverse and the 3.0 and all of that, the on-prem technology may no longer be as relevant, right? Probably won't be as relevant. Right. Uh, it will just be you know your on-prem is just another point where there might be some data or might not. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you really got to think about, no, my data is everywhere. And truly, your data today is everywhere. If you think about your corporate policies, yeah. you know, if you, if you have Microsoft account, guess what? Not only is your data on your computer, but it's probably on OneDrive, right? Sitting out right. in the cloud. And who knows who mm -hmm. gave access to that and where they moved that data, right? So it um, it becomes a bigger challenge to solve. But there are answers today. That's the good news. And I encourage all the listeners here to like kind of think about an open mind, go in, talk to your uh, to the industry. And and if you could describe where your business is going, right, then most uh, of the industry could help you with answers, moving to more holistic platforms, right, that enable you to protect these new data paths that are out there. No, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay, Rachel, we're wrapping up. I have one question for you, though. <laughs> Zeppelin fan? Ish. <laughs> I saw it on your face. Sorry, Manny. You might have had her more with Aerosmith. <laughs> ACDC. ACDC. Ooh, That's okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we did. We okay. covered music. We covered cars. We covered security. <laughs> right? 
He covered the metaverse. Web 3.0 and the metaverse, which who yeah. even knows what that covers? That, that uncovers everything, I think. I think so. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting. All right, look, one thing is uh, for the new generation who's growing up in that environment, right? They may have a leg up on us. I, I, I don't know if I could ever wear um, virtual reality glasses and live in a, in a world that's not a real world, right? Um, but um, the next generation seems to be adapting to that well. I'll give you a story. I mean, my, my stepson um, contracted COVID, you know, the new variant that just that just occurred that is you know, going um, through uh, the world uh, and getting most people. And obviously he got quarantined to his room. And um, we took food to him every day, you know, kind of if, if, if everything was fine. And when he came out of it six, seven days later, he tested negative. I sat with him and I asked him, like, how was it? And he goes, it was great. Yeah. And I mean, well, I mean, what do you mean it was great? He said, I sat in my room playing mostly Xbox and he plays a couple of different games on Xbox. And I was hanging out with all my friends because wow. they live in this world playing the game talking to each other. Mm-hmm. That's their own little metaverse, the version point one, right? Right. Uh, yeah. they live in, and, you know, as far as he knew, every, every two, three, four times a day, somebody knocked on the door and there was food there and he went and got it. And then he put it back out there at the end of the day. And seven days later, he had to really <laughs> function in the real world with the family, right? And come out and have dinner and do things of that nature. Which That's is disappointing well. to him. It's disappointing that the metaverse world that he was in was way better world. So with COVID and all, he was a happier kid. So I don't know. The next year, how old is he, Manny? We'll see how they go. How, how old is he? He's 15. Well, yeah, I have, I have a 14 and a half year old, and I would say the same thing. He would be perfectly content to play with his friends online. Friends both nationally and internationally. Yeah. All day, every day, and, and never have to engage in life other than bathroom and food and beverage. Yeah. So for those of us that think that this reality is not real, look at your kids, right? Yeah. And look at, or look at your friend's kids. It's coming, and it's coming at a very fast pace for all of us. And there's value in it for different value for different people, like, you know. Uh, right. But we'll see. We'll see. Okay, so we learned today Rachel does not really love Zeppelin. She's more ACDC. And I am a really crappy father because that's my kid's story without COVID. This is good. This is good. Michael, I'm coming for you. I'm going to turn the electric off to the house. You won't know what to do tonight. He won't. He won't. And you won't like him either when you go home. <laughs> Manny, I, I made him – we, we made a, a deal back in Christmas and we didn't get to it to watch a Christmas movie. Mm. And um, we just got tied up with the events and we went skiing and stuff. But So I made him this weekend. It was just it was just Michael, my, my 14-year-old and I at home. I made him watch the original Die Hard, a Christmas movie. Oh, wow. And uh, – Definitely did not appreciate it in the way I did when I was younger. There's controversy. He was like, okay, can I go play games now? A Christmas story or not? <laughs> well, it took place on Christmas Eve in the in the uh, story, so I'm calling it a Christmas movie. But regardless, he was like, okay, can I go? Can I go play some games now? Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's how they Such is life. Check out their screen time. Their screen time is another very telling story, right? How much time <laughs> they spent. But it's okay because that's humans will evolve, right? I, I joke with him, and yeah. this will be the last thing I, I pick on him today. 
in the sense that he's always with his phone. Whenever he, whenever we see him, he's around us. He's with his phone. It's really close to his chest, right? Mm-hmm. So I told him in a couple of years, your arms are going to be like T-Rex arms. They don't need, <laughs> you don't need all of that. Right? I mean, there's no reason other than you probably got to go in your pockets for something someday, right? There's no reason. So put pockets up here next to your stomach and you'll be all set. Uh, because nice. it's a different, different life. That's hilarious. Take us home, Rachel. Take us home, or the kids will never talk to us again. I know. Even electronically. (laughs) So so thanks, thanks everyone for joining us this week. That's our episode. (laughs) I can't stop laughing. And and as always, smash that subscription button. You get a fresh episode in your inbox every single Tuesday. So until next time, you guys, stay safe. Thanks for joining us on the To The Point Cybersecurity Podcast, brought to you by Forcepoint. For more information and show notes from today's episode, please visit www.forcepoint.com slash govpodcast. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. 